the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, Cat Timpf. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. All right, so what's your favorite late-night show, folks? Um, do you still stay up and watch them? If you don't, you're missing out. And I'm talking about Gutfeld on Fox News Channel. And, yeah, some people go, ooh, Fox News Channel, and which is so stupid. But anyway, yes, and they are dominating the late-night ratings. They're regularly beating out Kimmel, beating out uh, whoever else is on. I, I think, you know, Colbert is their main competition. They're beating Colbert. So um, part of the reason, it's not just Gutfeld, the guy the show is named for, but it's the two regulars, Tyrus and Kat Timp. And Kat is now my guest. And I'm telling you, Kat, I think it is understated maybe how important you and Tyrus are to the success of that show. Uh, You would agree, correct? Sure. Yes. <laughs> but thank you. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, but I also think it's, it's really not just, you know, us as individuals. I think it's, you know, the kind of the group of all three of us and the yep. way that we all sort of get along mm-hmm. and, you know, the kind of chemistry that we all have. And I think, you know, I mean, well, we are all, you know, we are all friends. And I think that that really kind of shows through on the show because a lot of times, you know, we all prepare and I have come, you know, prepared with things I want to say. And I think that a lot of the best moments are sometimes sort of the off of the cuff kind of riffing <laughs> amongst the three of us where we kind of, you know, Greg teases me or me and Tyrus will tease Greg. Yeah. Um, because people watching at home, they kind of feel like they're hanging out with all of us. That's totally what it feels like. And it's mm-hmm. so much fun. And I've had the pleasure of being able to join the show a couple of times. And it's been so fun to watch in person as well. It, I just had a brilliant idea for the three of you. Do you remember when, you know, you had the Muppets and they were so beloved and then they did baby Muppets. You guys should do an animated show, you know, baby cat Tyrus and Greg or baby Gutfeld or something. And it'd be animated. It'd be like the three of you as preschoolers and how you would have spoken back then. Isn't that a good idea? Yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to do an animated, like an animated show and like do the voices for it. It was funny. Actually, Gutfeld was saying to me the other day that I should do a cartoon about um, my cat, Cheens, and like keeping him alive because, (laughs) and this is something we talk about on the show often, like he is old 
and mean and he has all these health problems but i won't let him die like no matter how much he wants to like he's almost 12 which i know isn't old, that old for a cat but also like you know he's been he has cardiomyopathy he has ibd he has asthma but like i give him medicine every day i give him an inhaler when he needs it and just i was kind of describing this stuff to greg and he's like this is insane like this is this is crazy and i know it is but like I, I will do anything for this animal. Like I'll put him on a ventilator. And my husband's always like, "You're insane! Like this is not a good use of money." I'm like, "Well, doesn't matter. It's your money. It's how you spend yep. it, and it's what you value." So the name is on that necklace you're wearing, correct? Jeans. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know this. They ask me that off this often. I named him like I'm a huge Beatles fan, and I went through also like an extreme hippie phase in my early 20s. I was living in LA, and that's where my boyfriend at the time and I found him on the street there. And, um, his full name is actually Sergeant Pepper. And then okay. that's long. So we started calling him Pepper and then it just co- sort of evolved to Pepper, Cheney Pepper. And we just ca- started calling him Cheens and Cheens just stuck. So his wow. name's Cheens now, um, whichever, you know, when I made it like my first appointment at the vet out here, they're like, what's your pet's name? I'm like, Cheens. Like, I'm like, Cheens <laughs> Timph. Like that was not what they were asking, but that's his name. I love uh, it. I love how the names, oops, I just totally kicked my camera. I love how the (laughs) names evolve. This is, yes, this is is like professional podcasting, podcasting at its best. I love how names evolve, but that is so fun to know. Um, What is it about this cat? Because clearly, you know, everyone loves their pets, right? But this is, this is different. This is like next level stuff. And I'm wondering if it's because this cat has gotten you through stuff. I don't know. What is it about this cat? That's exactly what it is. Uh, When I got this cat, I was a 21-year-old Fox News intern and cashier at Boston Market. Um, So this cat's been with me through everything. (laughs) Um, You know, know, horrible apartments. There's a while when I, you know, very brief period of time when I didn't have an apartment in LA and I was kind of like couch surfing. He was lived with me in DC. He lived with me in Virginia. He lived with me in Brooklyn. He lived with me, um, you know, all over the place here. Um, and it's, it's, I, my life over the past 12 years has been extremely tumultuous. I mean, to go, going from, you know, a cashier to where I am now. And then all the things in between, you know, my, my mom passing away when I was 26. Um, but like the one consistent thing that I've had throughout my life is that this little kitty, you know, he sleeps under my chin every night. And, um, it's also, I wouldn't say that he's, I would never describe him as a nice cat. He's not nice. He's mean. He's old. He's he's completely feral. We found him. He was six weeks old. So oh they're not supposed gosh. to be separated at that age. So like he's right. not socialized properly. Um, but he loves me and he's pretty much, you know, only loves me. So we have this really nice codependent relationship going on between the two of us. <laughs> And it's, yeah, like, it's like, I'm never going to have that bond with another pet. You know, I have the dog, my French bulldog that I got with my husband, who's obviously like adorable, fancy dog, very friendly, loves everyone. Everyone loves him. And there's this very interesting ecosystem in the apartment because Carl is so cute where this is my French bulldog's name. We'll walk him and he's got a cute face. He's stretched down the street. Everybody stops and, oh, he's so cute. And, And Carl knows it. He knows how good looking he is. And he doesn't understand why at home I have a very obvious preference for this mean old street cat. <laughs> and Carl just can't understand it. Uh, and so does he like, act out toward it? Me. Yeah. It's, so so, does he, can you see it on him? Like, what the hell, lady? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, and like, you know, the dog will come and sit on me and then Cheens will come crawl up and sit higher on my body, like sit up against my face or something when the dog's on my lap or something like that. And um, Carl is, yeah, he's actually like, the, the cat will, you know, mess around with him. Like if Carl's in the crate, the cat will strut around outside the crate. Like I don't need to be on a crate because I'm not stupid like you are. <laughs> um, and they just are always fighting for, you know, our attention. And it's just, it's funny because it's also, it is like two phases of my life. Like this feral street cat that I got when I was a cashier and then, you know, was with me all the time, you know, when I was, I lived alone. And uh, then I have this, you know, fancy a set, the French Bulldogs are designer dogs that I got with my husband now that, you know, things are going a little better for me in my life, it, both career-wise and personal life. It's, it's almost the like two, they represent the two sides of your, the two parts of your life. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, yes. make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver, yes. but the other's gold. And I'm not, and this isn't, you know, this is no slam on my husband, but, you know, the dog's <laughs> our dog, okay? And like, and I, assuming that we stay married, which I mean, I plan to, or I wouldn't have right. done it. We've only been married a year. Um, I, I will never have anything that's like, just like mine like that. Like the yeah. cat is just mine. And it's like, I could get another cat, but then it would be our cat. And yeah. I kind of like how the cat, like I'm his entire world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, um, oh, 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 I, I get yeah. that. I get yeah. that. I really do. I appreciate it, cat. I, um, it's so sweet. And, and, you know, you just described this rather large swath of your life, right. uh, that was up and down and up and down. And it's interesting to me, you're libertarian, you're self-described libertarian. Yep. You are obviously super smart. I'm wondering how you came to land at Fox news when you did what, what happened there? Well, I mean, I worked at Campus Reform. I ended up getting a job at National Review. Um, I think Greg talks about this in like his live shows that he does where, you know, he kind of liked some of my columns that I wrote for National Review. But, uh, you know, I had this like little teeny, like little teeny tiny picture, uh, like at the bottom of the columns, it was like really blurry. So he invited me to be on Red Eye and I showed up and I'm like, I'm like this 25 year old girl, <laughs> you know, which I don't think he really expected. And it was my first Red Eye. <laughs> It was eight years ago, actually, in May, and um, I had actually been a huge Red Eye fan, um, even in college and when I lived in L.A., and it was my life goal to be on Red Eye, and, um, you know, I was really nervous. I, like, threw I threw up in the bathroom. And at Seriously? Fox, I was so scared before. Oh, my gosh. But I just, fate, like, pretended, like, I wasn't nervous. <laughs> you know, I just faked it, and, you know, we really just kind of hit it off. And, um, I've been doing like a few Fox and friends appearances, like Obamacare was the hot topic. So it was yeah. like millennial perspective on Obamacare. I was doing those like two minute hits all the time, you know, on Fox and friends and that had kind of dropped off a little bit, but then my first red eye went well and they asked me to come back every two weeks. And that was actually towards the end of Greg, um, hosting the show because the first episode of the Greg Gutfeld show, the weekly show was seven years ago. So it was actually towards the end. And, um, so after a while they asked me to come do these pilots for this new weekend show. Right. And I was like, this is like an audition. And I was even more nervous and I threw up before those two. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't it was, think it was you ate. So I didn't know you had anything to throw up. It was, it was, I mean, I'm like, I'm somebody where if I get nervous, I get really nauseous. Wow. And this was, you know, some of the most nervous, cause it was like stuff that doesn't happen. Like it's almost, no, it 
strangely serendipitous type stuff where I would tell everybody when I was in college and I was like, oh, I want to like, what do you want to do? Like, ultimately, like, what do you want to do after school? And I was like, well, I want to work with Greg Gutfeld. And <laughs> it, like, it, it's kind of nuts that it never, you know, th- th- this kind of stuff never actually happens. Right. I so, mean, the you know, odds that, are, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. That, that I actually, you know, to go from being a cashier and it's, you know, this and um, one of the best decisions I ever made, which I I did not go to I got into Columbia Journalism School and I did not go because I decided that taking out an $80,000 loan wouldn't be the best idea looking yeah. at what an entry level journalist makes that <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever be able to pay that back. So I kind of just learned the skills for free from internships and I waitressed, you know, um after Boston Market I ended up getting a waitressing job which I was so excited about. I was like I make tips, like I'm going to be rich. Like I was so excited, <laughs> I remember. And um, that was the best decision I made because it kind of gave me the freedom where I wasn't saddled with all this debt. I had a little bit from undergrad, but I had scholarships. So it was mostly from like room and board and that kind of thing. But um, it was the best decision that I ever made. And it, it wasn't easy. It, it was really, really hard. But uh, I think the decision was difficult to consider. Yeah, no, I, I see so you hit on two points right there in that in that anecdote. Number one, you don't have to go to college, folks, to make mm-hmm. it in this world. And $80,000 a year, was it? or For, for a one-year program, including, oh you know, my the God. cost I of mean, living and here. Yeah, it was for for a, for a master's in journalism. No, I have no journalism no. or broadcast training. I have, I majored in, at Hillsdale in like English literature, which ironically is exactly what Greg majored in also. <laughs> uh, and then I just did internships. Yeah. It's it's one way, folks. And by the way, she made the responsible decision to not take yeah. on student debt she knew she couldn't pay back easily, rather than counting on somebody else to forgive it for her. So kudos to you there. All right. So you end up as an intern. And, you know, you first of all, for people who don't know, Red Eye aired like, what, three in the morning or something on yeah. Fox overnight. You didn't record it then, obviously, but it was a lot of fun. I, I remember catching it on certain nights that I couldn't sleep or whatever and thinking there's some real talent on this show. And, um, anyway, so then he gets, so you, then you're piloting with him on this gut felt thing. How many pilots did they shoot cat? There was, it was a few. And I know that there was other people. Or I know of at least one other person that they had try out. Cause at the beginning I wasn't sitting on the couch with everybody. Cause we it used to be a couch. I was off to the side and they tried so many different things with my role. Like I was, like the ombudsman type. And then I was like a fact, you know, fact checker. And then I was right. over there in an apartment. So we tried all these different things, but I, um, I know I tried a few and I was just, I was so, and after I, they kept having me at all of them, I ended up being like, so like, am I like, do I have a job? Like, yes. is this, am I work? Like, am I working here? And I remember it was a, a really crazy, crazy time in my life. Um, Back then, so I've, I officially started working at Fox seven years ago, which actually two days ago, May 31st was the first episode, which is when it was official. But um, that was six months or like about five months after five, six months, six months after my mom had died, three months after my grandma died. And I got my contract three days after the guy that I thought I was going to marry broke up with me in front of my father at Coney Island. Oh, my so, God. It was a lot. And then I remember the first time in the other Joanne Noschinski, who was used to be on the show in Tyrus's place, 
she um she and I were going to go film our first like bit like man on the street type bit and I got a phone call and I was living in Bushwick their family dog like randomly was found dead like he died had died overnight I, like while I was on the way to go film this funny bit and I just it was just like such a transformative time um and I, I think that's something that uh something that kind of guides my life or that I've has become a guiding principle of my life is that you know when you're going through these tough times that the ability to laugh is really for me the only thing that's gotten me through it so a lot of people would say that it might have been difficult to be like I have this job where I'm supposed to make people laugh and my life is not funny <laughs> right now but for me it was really the opposite um I I'm not a religious person at least not right now and you know the the healing power that laughter and being able to make other people laugh provided me. I don't know how I would have gotten through all of those times without having that. That's so interesting. Cat Timp is an interesting, unique talent. <laughs> I, 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 no, I'm serious. Like uh, I have a quick anecdote, which I'll tell you in just a second about an older gentleman, what he said to me the other day when I was picking my daughter up from school, this is kind of cute. So quick break and then back with Cat Timp. Folks, since November of last year, the stock market has plummeted, but gold has been on the rise. Gas prices are ridiculous. The stock market is insanely volatile. Inflation is even worse than it was last year. And now we have the war with Russia and Ukraine, and hopefully that doesn't spread any further than those two countries. But the markets, they don't like instability. The good news is you have options. Gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold for protection. Gold provides a hedge against inflation and protects against a weakening dollar. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I trust when investing in gold and silver. You need an investment that's going to protect your wealth and retirement. Call Legacy Precious Metals today. Be proactive while there's still time. I mean, remember 2008? Those who invested in gold saw huge gains while others saw their retirements just slip away. Legacy Precious Metals can advise you of all your options for investing in gold and silver. You can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-528-1903. That's 866-528-1903. Or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. All right, Kat, so I'm in the carpool lane, and I'm driving up to pick up my daughter, who's 13. My son is 16. And the, there's a gentleman who does, like, security at the school and kind of helps organize stuff. And, and he starts walking over to my car, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, what am I doing? Am I texting while driving? Am I in trouble? And I am looking at him, and he's like, roll down yeah. your window. So I rolled down my window, and he said, oh, gosh, I, I hesitate to say this part, but I'm going to say it. He goes, you were much funnier on Gutfeld than you were on The View. And I said, <laughs> I said, thanks. And he goes, that cat, Tim, she's funny. Now, <laughs> it was just funny to me because I know people think you're funny. I know that already. But here's this guy that I've known for, I don't know, 15 years or so and known him peripherally. I don't know a lot about him, but learned that not only does he watch Gutfeld, but he kind of has a crush on you. So I thought that was very sweet. And I didn't tell him that I was going to interview you today because he might have gotten in the car and come home with me. And I didn't think <laughs> that was a, a good idea either. But what makes you, to me, unique, and I, I hope that, you know, 
you're not uncomfortable with people complimenting you to your face, but you don't seem like you're trying hard. Like I did, I remember the first time I worked with you in studio, I say worked with you, but I followed you into the studio and I thought she seems shy or nervous. I don't know which, but that's not how she seems when she sits in that chair and just has a blast with these guys. So how do you explain that sort of disconnect between a person who can be very shy and a person who can just sit there and absorb whatever Greg throws at you and kind of look at him and go, yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah, I can actually totally, like, I can actually totally explain that. I mean, I'm a person who, I'm I'm extremely awkward in a um, normal situation. Like, to me, if you ask, you ask me, like, what sounds more terrifying, giving a speech in front of 5,000 people or making small talk at somebody's baby shower. And I will pick the speech in front of 5,000 people every single time. Yeah. Uh, I, I've always been someone who's been a performer. I was really into, you know, I was like a theater kid, but I couldn't sing. So like there were, you know, I, I would, you know, do my best. I'd always be like in the background. I love to perform. I love to be in front of people. I don't know what it is, but in that situation, I feel a lot more comfortable than I do in a, any normal like hangout um, situation. I think it's, I make the joke that it's like, oh, my attention seeking behaviors are normal, but I don't know what it is. I think it's because a lot of my, you know, awkwardness or weirdness um, that again was, I was, you know, made fun of a lot in school and, and it doesn't come from nowhere that I can be, you know, people, I did get made fun of. Uh, but I started in my adulthood to get paid for the exact same thing. <laughs> so like, I, I feel more comfortable in that situation where I, I can be a weirdo and people are going to laugh rather than, and, and again, I started really going back to that, you know, when I was lived in LA and I was really broke and I can, I can go into just how broke I was, uh, you know, just, let's just, one of the worst weeks of my life was when I got, I got scabies and the same week my cat got fleas. Cause I was just like oh, living in squalor. It was so itchy. It was so horrible. Oh my but gosh. that was when I started really getting into performing standup comedy. Cause I would get up there and I would just like talk about it. I would just say like, you know, make these jokes about how my yeah. life was just falling apart and I can make it funny and I can make people laugh. And it was a lot it gave me a lot of power in that situation rather than, ha you know, a situation where I'm meeting new people and I have to explain, like, I'm not sure that you want to come hang out with me at my apartment. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think you want to. It's not, oh, you won't, you God. won't enjoy yourself. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just get even, uh, I'll be at like a, a get together, any like formal get together. I'm just sitting there. I'm like wringing my hands. It's like, yeah pleasantries because I'll just be the kind of person who says something really weird because I have, so I, I do, I have a very strange brain, which makes me very good at what I do. And yeah. I know that, but it also makes me a very awkward person at parties. Like I was at a <laughs> party at, um, I don't know if Nancy Rommelman, she's a good friend of mine. She's an amazing journalist. She has these get togethers at her apartment where it's like a super eclectic group of people all the time. She's like in with the reason crowd, but she's also friends with like Leah from Real Housewives and like yeah. you just never know who you're going to meet there. And so we're there, we're, you know, hanging out and I'm just sitting there and all of a sudden they're like, Kat, what do you think about? It? I'm like, I'm just wondering, like, there's a lot of people here and somebody here is going to be the one to die first. And I wonder who that is. <laughs> and of course, like everybody... And everybody's like, like, get out, like, who, who is this person? Like, get out of, get out, like, like, let's talk to someone else. Oh, but I'm, I'm self-aware. I'm nothing if not self-aware. So I know 
that it's something that serves me well in front in a performing sense, but in a social sense, I will say something weird accidentally without even even realizing it because my brain is just like that. And I also I do have, um, you know, I have anxiety, I have um, ADHD, I have depression. And again, my ADHD, I've started to see as a gift because my brain going a million miles a minute is helpful in this specific job. But yeah, yeah. in other areas of life, it is not so much. Well, <laughs> like you it's know been what? A I, I can understand that it's been a struggle. Uh, I love that you've overcome all of that and used this stuff to your advantage. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Who needs parties anyway? I mean, if yeah. to me... I, that would have been a fascinating topic. I would have started to look around the room and say, I bet that guy over there is going to yeah, be the first like, one to die. Because it's going to be someone. Yeah, it is going to be someone. <laughs> and, and here's how he's going to die, you know? And then start yeah. thinking about that. I mean, to me, that's far more interesting than the usual stuff you talk about at parties. All right, you said something a second ago, a minute ago, whatever, that totally has me picturing the moment. And now that you're happily married, I hope I can ask you this and yes. you can retell it without getting emotional. But you said the guy you thought you were going to marry broke yep. up with you on Coney Island in front of your dad. Yes. What the hell happened there? I got to know this story. Yeah, we've been kind of like fighting a lot. Um, my mom's sudden death was a strain on the relationship. She died of a uh, rare disease called cardiac amyloidosis, where it's your body starts building up a protein that your liver can't break down. So it starts creating it. So it builds up an organ. So hers built up in her heart and it kind of mimics symptoms of other illnesses, such as like she'd had cancer when I was in college. And so they were looking for that. They didn't have that. They're like, okay, it's just like a heart problem because it is really rare. Um, and then once they find out what it is, it's too late. So once she was formally diagnosed, she died, but three weeks after that. <sighs> and it was very stressful. And, uh, I was not an easy person to deal with. Um, and I ended up actually telling this story on gut, the Gutfeld show because this was a devast at the time. This was just a devastating. So we had been fighting about something. He like saw like a text in my phone he didn't like, and like it wasn't there was no cheating. It was just like fighting. And um, he, my dad was visiting for Memorial Day weekend, so we were at Coney Island. We were all supposed to meet. He came and he met us, and we'd been still fighting over like the something stupid, but we'd been fighting so much. I had not been easy to be with my dad. We had margaritas. My dad went to go get another round. And while my dad was getting another round, he broke up with me. Oh my and, God. <laughs> and then I, and I was devastated because I was like, there's a lot of emotions that come with, and this is somebody who now, when I had the advice show on vaccination, I had him on, like, we're fine now. Um, wow. But at, at the time, yeah, that's because we're in like, we have a lot of mutual friends and um, it just wasn't, it ended up not being a match. But at the time, you know, you're 26 years old and you're thinking like, this is the last guy that like will ever be able to meet my mother. And that is a very deeply emotional thing. And, um, it was the end of the world to me. And, um, but then I was able to years later, actually, I ended up telling the story on the Gutfeld show where I mentioned as an offhand comment, they ended up to hold the whole story and (laughs) everyone was laughing so hard. And again, getting power of that experience, which was so traumatic because as I explained on the show, he hung out with us the rest of the day. That, that takes some balls, man. Up. I mean, that is unbelievable. Yeah, he hung out the rest of the day. And um, he like sat next to me on the Ferris wheel. He took the train back with us. And my dad was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever <laughs> experienced. I mean, and especially because like he knew he was going to break up with me when he came there. And uh, I, I just feel like 
you can it can wait. Like don't come. Yeah, like, don't yeah. wake up with a girl in front of her dad, <laughs> especially when he's going to get another round of margaritas and you're planning. Yeah, on like my dad went to get the drinks, and this is as I said this on the Gavel Show. Like he went to get the drinks, he came back to a shit storm. Like, oh my like, gosh. like he went, he's getting drinks, he comes back and like, like it was, it was. Oh you know, my it, gosh, it's funny now, and um, my husband, it's like, it's like, it, I, it's been easy. Which, uh, like, I've had all these relationships that have not been easy. And this has been, I'm like, oh, this is kind of what people are talking about. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's when you know, folks. That's when you know when there are no red flags and it's easy. I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, I was, I got to a point where I had so many, but I was very single and I was happily single. (laughs) I was like, I'm on my own and I don't want a boyfriend and it's too much trouble. And my husband, is was not my type. I mean, I always dated musicians. I dated a rapper for a while. I dated comedians, act stuff like that. You know, creative types. Right. And my husband is a former army ranger from Westchester who works in finance. So it's like <laughs> I didn't want to go out with him. And I was on the dating app Raya, and I was at home for Christmas, and I was scrolling through with my sister, and she's the one that like clicked the like on him and I was like he's wearing a lacrosse sweatshirt like that's so repulsive <laughs> and she was like just try it like just try it so I went out with him it was okay he was really into me at first I still wasn't sure I canceled two dates on him and then the third my sister was like one more time but then on the he he was the second date he came kind of like dressed like in a hoodie and like a hat and I was like oh like he's kind of cute like I and I just he was cute and I um, after that second date we never spent a night apart after that Oh and my gosh. We wound up moving in together after four months of dating. And um, I was somebody who was like, just so not commit, like, just like, even the relationships that I was picking, I was like, it's almost if I was picking them, because I was like, I don't want anything serious. I hadn't had like an actual serious relationship really since the Coney Island guy. I mean, I had one guy that was like awful to me. We were on and off, on and off, on and off. And he was like cheating all the time. And I knew like, I don't really count. I mean, that, that was a disaster. Yeah. I, um, I've had those. Yeah. Yeah. Like you break up like 60 times and you, yeah. you know, but that was, that, that one doesn't really count as a relationship to me, but this, and, and, and so people were like, cat, like, so we started seeing each other and then like after the second date, you know, a week later that we like, you know, made it exclusive, made it official. And then we moved in all my friends were like, who are you? Like, what is happening? <laughs> But and and they meet my husband and it's we are intrinsically opposites. We yeah. are totally opposites. But um it works so much better. I mean, because he's good at things I'm not good at, I'm good at things he's not good at. And there's just this underlying um, you know, like we we have shared val a lot of shared values, but right. personalities are different. Um because I, I don't know, like me and another person who's like a creative type, it just always was a disaster. He is so even keeled, which I'm not so much. You know, though it balances you out and it's yep. all those silly little things that people say like opposites attract or ours yeah. my strengths or his weaknesses, yada, yada. It, but it, it seems to make sense once you finally find that. And I, it's, it, it makes me very happy. I'd never heard the Coney Island story before. I'm glad you told it. But yeah, I, do re- I do remember when you got engaged because something happened at the beginning of the show that never happens, which is they put you on camera, like with your ring, you know? Yeah. And it was sort of like this. And I kind of went, is that? Cause I've been, I yeah. just been a fan of the show for so long. I feel kind of dorky. I feel kind of like I'm a geek, but I, I just, I laughed. I like to laugh. I don't like to be lectured at, and right. um, I, I like to hear diverse opinions and I don't need 
you know, someone singing about vaccines on TV to me. So, you know, I I just appreciate the show so much. What's interesting to me, though, too, is that you talk about the stand-up comedy part of your life, but you also wrote. And, uh, you know, how did how did you get into writing? It's not easy to get published, Kat. You know that. So when you talk about you just kind of this throwaway line, yeah, I wrote for the National Review. It's like, no, that's how how did that happen? So I was always a, a writer, um, and I mean that in like the truest sense. I mean, I would write for fun when I was little. I I really um, really enjoyed writing. Um, I was you know an English major. I you know had internships where um, like I wrote you know I worked at the Washington Times as an intern the summer after my junior year of college. And I had, you know, some some doubts actually from people at the school of me getting the internship, not because of my writing, but because of my professionalism. You know, I, <laughs> I, I'm weird. I'm not. I'm not. Um. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the word is for. I'm quirky. I'm strange. You're not cookie cutter. You no, know, I'm business not. Per- yeah, no. Okay. And just me, yes. you know, showing up at the office and what is she going to show up like and what is she going to act, you know, and this is the Washington Times. But I fought for it and I ended up having 10 front page articles in the course of a 10 wow. week internship. So wow. I made a great impression there. So um, then I, when I moved to LA and I had, you know, the internships and the broadcasting and then I ended up getting fired from my job as a traffic reporter because I was giving wrong directions. So like, I totally got it. Like, I, Wait, like, where I totally, were you a traffic reporter? Which station? Uh, it was a it was it was a syndicate called Total Traffic Network. So it was like okay. um, uh, KFI and like all these different. Um, so like I, I was yeah I was in the helicopter and I was like they were like kept me longer than they should have because they thought I had a great radio <laughs> voice which I do yeah you do but they were like dude like you're leading people into traffic like you can't. So, you know, I, that was fair. But then I was struggling to know what to do. And the Washington Times reached out to me that they had a web editing position. Um, so and that was, there was no writing involved. So what I decided to do was just to kind of – my whole philosophy is you don't really wait. You can't wait for opportunities. You have to create opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I would just – you know, I got a, I applied for this writing fellowship, the Robert Novak uh, fellowship. I got that. I started pitching ideas for pieces – two bosses at the Washington times um, and, you know, writing in my spare time when I was there, I also used to did the same thing. They had a radio station in the building and I show up and I said, Hey, I got some broadcast experience. Why don't I like come on like a couple times a week and do a segment. And um, so I just kind of always wrote and rather than waiting for someone to ask me to write and um and then I ended up quitting to take a lower paying job at the Leadership Institute Campus Reform because they wanted to get me on TV. They were like, we're going to TV train you. We're going to get you on TV. So that ended up, you know, obviously working out. Um, but I ended up being pretty good at writing for the Internet, you know, in, in terms of like the little viral, like little click baby yeah. type stuff. And yeah. I had a friend who worked at National Review and they were kind of looking for somebody who could do that there. So I had three interviews at the at the national review and i remember because they were kind of like okay like she's not really like conservative like i'm i'm libertarian right but i'm not you know i'm not i'm not socially conservative at all Mm -hmm. i'm super non-interventionist in terms of foreign policy i'm liberal in terms of immigration i think anybody who wants to come contribute to our economy and who's nonviolent should be free to do so 
So, I mean, I had a lot of interviews and I remember I got in a little bit of trouble with the second one, even with, you know, it was Jack Fowler and Rich Lowry, who I, I absolutely love. Right. Um, they were like, okay, so what's your stand-up like? I was like, no, it's like fine. And then they like talked to someone. They're like, no, she's like, like naughty jokes basically. And they were like, just tell us the truth. I had three interviews and then I had a three month trial period. During that three month trial period is when my mom ended up dying. But like right after that, like it was a matter of like, not, not it was like right after the trial period, but she started ended up getting sick rather. And uh, it, it was, and then, but it was, just writing, I guess. And, and, um, really, I mean, I remember the beginning of the national review and I would stay late and just find, find anything to write about. I would be there for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And then I kind of moved, you know, as I into like, if I had ideas for more serious, longer form pieces, I started to kind of write those. Um, I think that writing is something that I just never waited for an opportunity to be able to do. You just did it. It's uh, it's it's quite a career that you've found for yourself. I, I I asked someone this the last time I was there in New York with you all, and and I said to someone leaving that night, you know, you, you probably knew this was gonna pop this show, but did you know it was gonna really do what it's doing ratings wise, popularity? And they said no way. So I'll ask the same to you. What did you think was gonna happen once Gutfeld became a you know nightly? um show rather than just that Saturday gig I yeah I mean especially because everybody wanted us to fail so badly and you can say you tune it out but it's you don't I mean yeah, yeah. Greg gave me the advice for the few, first few months to just not look up look at it on social media which I right. followed and he didn't follow his own advice I don't ah! <laughs> it was really helpful um I mean because I mean we had the first episode and of course everybody zeroed in on maybe certain things that didn't work and not anything that did and there's also the factor of of course like it's the first one and like there's always things that need to be worked out but I like I I never imagined I like I thought like people would watch it but I didn't expect to be beating Colbert I know (laughs) right I didn't expect that at all it's crazy. It's out yeah. like it. I don't. I don't think anybody did. I really don't. I really don't think anybody did. I mean, even when the weekly show started doing those kind of numbers, we were all kind of shocked. Yeah, and, which is what obviously propelled it, right? Is that when it, you saw those numbers yeah. and you thought, "Why aren't we doing this every night?" Yeah, it was actually something that they were discussing for quite a while of doing it okay. every night. Um, I think something that people, a, a lot of people, may not realize. I mean, is just how small our staff is. Um, it's a lot of, we have, I don't know, we have maybe like 14, 15 people, something like that. And that includes like me, Greg, like Greg's assistant, like Greg has like two, two people who like are writers full time for yeah. the show. And I yeah. write for the show a lot. Like we all wear a lot of hats. And mm-hmm. especially when you think about like Stephen Colbert has what, like 20 people or 30 yeah. people who just write. Yeah. And he has like a costume department. We have like, a, you know, we'll send an intern out to like party, you know, like party city or party city or whatever the Halloween store. And we film everything on iPhones for like sketches. And we'll have like an hour where we'll all write it and film it. And it's um, so I think it's crazy to even like if we weren't beating all these people, I would even say like it would be unfair to even compare us to them because yeah our resources, there's such a huge discrepancy in terms of resources. So that's what makes it even more insane that we are beating them. 
But what makes it very um, understandable is the charm of that because you see producers and guys that are doing the bits. You you can tell who's not a professional actor in those bits, you know. Yeah, and 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 that's charming, and it's it's and clearly no one's taking it so seriously that you know that you feel looked down upon. It's it's rather than sort of this elitist view of the world, it's sort of this common man's view of the world. None of you is common, but you're, you know, it's this, I don't know, this full circle sort of grouping that you have. And all the, it's one of those things. I, I always think about Led Zeppelin. Sorry, I do, because they're one of my favorite bands and it's the chemistry. It, it's yeah. every great band is great because they find this bizarre, rare chemistry that ends up working for it. And I think you guys have found that. And I sure hope it doesn't spoil ever because it is, it's so refreshing. It's so much fun. And uh, I congratulate you. Um, Last thing I want to ask you about, I've known Kennedy since 1998. We worked together on the Olympic games in Nagano she was brought in as sort of this, you know, oh, she's so edgy, cool, MTV, blah, blah, blah. And we did the opening ceremony together and I was abysmal and that's all I remember about it. But she was the officiant at your, she officiated yep. your wedding, right? Yep. She sure how did. did you choose, how did you choose her? Well, I mean, she just knew us really well. I know she'd done it before for like Guy Benson and his husband. Right. She did. I mean, like she did such a great job. Like she came in, um, you know, over and kind of talk through like, you know, what stands out of our relationship and, and, and those kinds of things. She took it really seriously. Like, what do you guys want? And she did like, it's the best to have someone marry you who really knows you guys, like mm. not just you individually, but knows you guys as a couple. Yeah. I mean, when I was dating horrible men and this and that, like I was Kennedy's couch. I was passing out on all upset all the time. And <laughs> so it was like, it was, it was crazy, you know, to have this amazing relationship and have her kind of watch it from the beginning and I remember one thing that she said when she was marrying us and again going back to like how not alike my husband and I are is like she said like this pairing of people proves that love is like it's not an algorithm and um it was just she does such a great job and um she just like took it really seriously you know that's and so I, cool. I cried. It was, she did a great oh, job. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's awesome. See the guy that married us, uh, in the Episcopal church, St. Mark's in downtown Minneapolis, he was the very Reverend Joel. And about six months after we got married, he was kicked out of the church. So we're not sure if we're still really legally married, <laughs> but we're hoping so. We're, we're just yeah. going to go with it. You know, we're going to go with it. Not um, sure how that works. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I, I don't know either. I, I, be, I honestly, Never mind. It's too much about <laughs> religion and not enough about what matters, which is which is love, cat. Love is the answer. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. All right, she found that really funny. <laughs> hey, yeah. thank you so much for the time. It, it's just of a course. good look into who you are. And I think what people really ought to take away from this is that you embrace everything about yourself, you know? I'm not easily, I'm sure. No. I, you know, and that is a journey through a life. And I just love how you've made this new life for yourself, how you have Cheens and Carl and they yes. represent these very two different sides of life for you. And, and so congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. She is Kat Timph. 
and you can catch Gutfeld. If you don't watch it, why don't you just try, you know, get over the part that less than cat before I let you go. The other night you said when you don't want people to like, you think it's so controversial that you work at Fox news channel. So you just tell them you do porn porn. Which yeah. You think it's less controversial. <laughs> why can you get, is it still, do you still find this, that if people say that you're meeting for the first time, find out you work at Fox News Channel, that they're like, you know, taken aback? What is the, what is the thing? It's absurd because people think that like Fox News is one brain, which is just not true. I no. mean, like you're not, you're going to hear, you know, me, Greg and Tyrus talking about different stuff at 11 PM than you're going to hear on Fox and Friends Weekend. You, right. you know, I mean, there's a lot of different individuals here with different individual beliefs. And it's like when I tell people I work at Fox, they're like, some people have only seen like certain, you know, things from Fox, like little clips on like right. other late night shows or they they heard someone, they go back to something someone else said years ago that was, and it's just like, okay, like what, if you heard me say something that I was like, like, like it's so ridiculous because I'm such a person who is an individual and sees others as individuals and evaluates yeah. others as individuals. And a lot of the people who kind of claim to do that, they don't as soon as you say Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, folks. Just get out of that mindset. Burst yes. the bubble. Go watch Gutfeld. It's on at 11 Eastern time, Monday through Friday. Terrific show. Lots of fun amazing talent and um, really fun guests too. So it's been a pleasure talking to you, Kat. I'm glad I know more about you. I'm glad I know the margarita story now. In <laughs> it's just all coming full circle. Great having uh, you. Thank you. Thank you. And this has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. Thanks for watching. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.